Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Coolangatta podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. We pray that this message is a blessing. Amen, amen. Well, good morning, New Life Coolangatta. How are you doing this morning? Come on, all three of you are doing great. Good to hear. Hey, listen, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to go ahead and open them up from the earliest moment we can. Uh, we're going to the book of Numbers. We're starting in chapter 6, verse 22. And whilst you flip there, I'm going to give you some room to get there, some time. Uh, if you haven't met me before, my name is David Scambry, and I get the absolute pleasure of being one of the pastors here at New Life Cooling Gatter with a community of people who just loves Jesus and loves one another really well. And that's why I say every time I'm up here, it's such a pleasure to be a pastor in this community. But, um, you know, today is a real special Sunday. We're we're super glad you chose to come to church this week. And the reason it's special is because each year, after we spend a week together in prayer and in fasting, which we've just done, we have this annual rhythm of following that week up with our communal celebration where we get anointed, Anointing Sunday. You might go, well, what is this anointing Sunday? What does this mean? And anointing is simple. We join in in an ancient tradition where we anoint with oil. We take a dollop of oil, we draw a cross on a forehead. Nothing crazy, nothing too difficult, right? And there's nothing special about this oil. I'm pretty sure we bought this oil from Coles, not even a Christian bookstore, not Karong, right? Like, it's not that special. The power in the act isn't the oil. It's not magic, It's the act of doing the anointing. Because anointing signified something in the Old Testament. It signified that a person or a thing was set apart for holiness. And so today we gather and we get anointed. We we experience and receive the blessing of being set apart and being made holy because of Jesus. And we get to choose to look forward to this year and make a decision in that moment of anointing that we would set apart our actions and our lives and the way we live in 2024, that they would be different to the world and different to the sinful ways of everything around us, but would be set apart for the holiness of Jesus. And once this anointing has happened, or as this anointing happens, you will hear the words of an ancient blessing spoken over you that show us the posture God has when he comes towards us and the promises God makes for each and every one of us. And this blessing can be found in the book of Numbers in chapter 6, starting in verse 22. So we're going to read that now, and I'm going to invite you to read it out loud with me. It'll be on the screen behind me. It says this, The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And then it says, and so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Would you join with me in prayer? Father, I thank you that that there summarizes so much of the way you move and love and care for us, that you will bless us, your people, God. And I just praise you for that, Father. I pray this morning as we gather as a church, we haven't fought or strived, earned or merited your presence, but you delight to be present in and amongst your people as we gather and as we fix our attention upon you. And so this morning, we take a moment to do that, to turn our eyes away from the distractions, 
our hearts and our emotions away from whatever's been going on around us all this week. And we fix ourselves on you, God. For you are a good God, worthy of our attention. There is nothing in the entire universe that compares to you, the one who made it all, God. And so I just praise you. I say, I pray, God, anything of your word that you want us to know, would by the power of your spirit, it stick to us. And anything that isn't of you or isn't of your word, would it be forgotten and gone? Lord, be blessed today and let us leave more loved by you. Jesus, in your perfect name we pray. Amen. 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 Hey, anyone in this room uh, have something that they nerd out over? Do you know what I mean? But like anyone in this room has something that they just get excited and nerd out over. I am a total nerd for a bunch of things. Um, but in particular, I'm a bit of a nerd for history, right? In fact, I love it so much that I went through a mid-20s crisis. It's like a midlife crisis, but a bit earlier. And I wasn't sure that I wanted to be a pastor any longer. I just loved history. And I thought to myself, maybe I should be a history teacher. And so I enrolled to university. I, I signed up and I, I started a semester. And I remember in the first semester, I was up to like the second assignment and it was 10 p.m. at night, and I had assignment due at midnight, and I thought to myself, I should probably start this assignment at some point soon. And as I sat there, I was sitting on my bed, and I smiled to myself, because what I realized was, I wasn't going to start this assignment. I didn't want to be a history teacher. No way at all. I want to be a pastor. But I do like history. I do really like history. You see, history uh, reveals, us, reveals to us the way things change. It shows us the causes and the effects. There are revolutions in history from agriculture to philosophy. There are the, the stories of belief systems raising up and changing everything. There are renewed interests in arts and sciences that shaped culture. There are simple inventions like the printing press or the number zero. There are these things and so many more that all add up to transform and mold societies. In fact, as you sit in this room today, New Life Kulangada as a family, we sit on the shoulders of all of these things that have added together, molded together, and shaped the world we live in and experience all around us. History is cool. Fight me if you don't think so. But here's the thing. <laughs> I was joking. Please don't. Um, so when I read this blessing that I read before, and I think to the fact that it was, it was written three and a half thousand years ago to a totally different people, to a totally different culture, to a totally different society. And since being written, uh, the people it was written for have crossed continents, experiences, ex experienced exoduses, persecutions, empires, cultures, ways of thinking have all shifted and changed. And yet this group, this blessing was written to three and a half thousand years ago, this blessing continues to word for word be a vital part of the way they relate to, Jesus, or to God, I should say. And it's not just a Jewish tradition, which is who it was written for, but about 2,000 years ago, right, when the birth of Christianity happened through our Savior dying on that cross and resurrecting and his disciples, right, going out and faithfully following the example of Jesus to birth the early church, which has continued and spread around this world to us today. As we consider that over the 2,000 years of church history, this blessing has continued to be a vital part of the way church has been experienced and the way individual unique Christians have been encouraged about the character and posture of God towards them. So I don't know what you hear when you hear this blessing. I'm not sure whether it reaches your ears well or whether it goes from your ears to your mind or from your mind to your heart easily. But my hope for today 
is that when we leave this place, we wouldn't leave just thinking this blessing was an ancient collection of words written for an ancient collection of people, but rather we would leave this place confident that the words embedded within this blessing carry for us today the powerful promise, posture, and goodness of God that wishes to burst forth into our worlds, our societies, our communities, and our way of doing life with God. You know, speaking of Christians to the church uh, in 1 Peter 2.9, it says this, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Friends, as you sit there, are you hearing these words? Do you believe it today? That you are God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Every day, all around us, God is doing this idea of calling out of darkness and into his wonderful light. He's making known to anyone who would look his own goodness. We see it in creation, right? I mean, everyone just think, what's your favorite food in existence, right? What's your favorite sauce flavor in existence? My wife loves peri-peri sauce from Nando's. For her, that teaches her about the goodness of God. In creation, God expresses his goodness through flavors, through light, through color, through sounds, through sensations. You know, in his word, we, we see through the way he wrote moral codes and the way he carefully concerns over individual human beings, his goodness expressed. We see movements through his spirit, miraculous moments of healing, restoration, and provision throughout history. Every day, God all by himself is making known how wonderfully good he is. And as God prepares to bless his people in the blessing we read before, to make known his goodness to them, this is what it says. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. There are two things I want you to notice. The first is the heart of God. Notice how Aaron, Moses, or the Israelites didn't initiate this. God came to them. They didn't say, God, we need a blessing. Come bless us. We need something. Right? God came to them and said, here's my heart towards you. I want to bless you. I want to bring blessings your way. That's the first thing I want you to notice. The second thing is this, that when God came to bless the world, he invited human beings to be a part of this process, right? To convey or to carry or to bring his good desire. And if you read this blessing, he doesn't shy away from the fact that he is the source of all good things. It says, the Lord bless you, the Lord keep you. So like, this is what God's saying. I am doing a blessing for this world. And yet there's this divine tension, this divine miracle that is we his people point the world towards him, the blesser, we actually become a blessing to the world as well. Somehow as we point the world to God and his goodness, we become a part of God's plan to bless the entire world. In fact, in the days when this blessing was written, uh, people and things that lived pointing to God and his blessings for the world would have a strange rhythm done over them. And this rhythm was called anointing. And it was just a simple practice where uh, oil would be placed on a thing to signify that they're marked out or they're set apart. They're called for a holy purpose. In the whole five and a half chapters or, or whatever before this is all about the priestly call of God, this anointed life, the way we live set apart as God's people. That's what it's all about. And for the people in this day, as they read this, they knew that when they got anointed to live a life set apart for God, following that anointing, they would have to start doing a work. They would have to achieve the life God had called them to live. 
But as we leap forward over a thousand years, the church father and disciple of Jesus, Peter, he writes to the church. And in his writing, his point, he points back to the tradition of anointing, of being set apart to make known God's blessings. And he says of each of us that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. Or in other words, there's something about us, the church, that's set apart. There's something unique about who we are and our place in this world. And he goes on and says, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Or in other words, we're set apart and we're unique as God's people because we bring light into the world by declaring the goodness of God. We talk about the blessings of God. We point people to the wonder of God. We point people to the light of God. And as we do that, we, the church, become a beautiful blessing to the world. So just like Moses and Aaron and the people of God in the Old Testament, we're invited to live an anointed life, to make known the blessings of God to a suffering world. And as the Christian people, we don't just declare it through abstract experiences alone. We don't just declare it through peri-peri source and, and, and traditions and you know, sound and creation and even just stories that happened to our ancestors, right? We get to declare the goodness of God through a moment in history, a pinpointed physical real moment in history where God stepped into the scene of our entire world and entire human race, where there was a cross set up and standing for us to go on, and he filled it. And we see how God made known his goodness and makes known his goodness through his own sacrifice, his own suffering. It says in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. You know, every one of us who believe on Jesus to save us, every single one of us that put our faith into the work of Jesus in, in dying on that cross and resurrecting three days later, all of us that say that was enough, and in that I am saved and renewed, everyone who believes in that, right, we are full recipients of the blessing and adoration of God. We are full recipients of the anointed life, not because we've done something, but because in Jesus we've become someone, a set-apart people. You see, Jesus is not fighting for our achievements anymore. He's already won our hearts, and that should bring us a lot of peace. And therefore, to us, to you and to me, here's what the Lord says. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious towards you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So why this blessing? Like of all the blessings in history and all the blessings in the world, what about these words captured the imaginations, the hope, and the hearts and souls of the people who have read it for its entire history? Well, in this blessing, there are six movements. And each of these movements are distinct promises. That as we read, and as we choose to put our faith in, as we choose to believe that what they say are true about our God for our world, for our lives, as we do that, we will begin to, become, begin to become aware of the way God is alive and magnificent and blessing us in this world. There are six promises. Let's go through them one by one. It kicks off with God saying this, the Lord bless you. This word bless, it literally means to adore or to esteem. 
And this is the first movement. This is the first promise. The word bless is a beautiful, beautiful word. It's this, in spite of our smallness, in our inadequacy, the fact that we could never bring a single thing to God. He doesn't need us in any way. Still, God thinks of us and desires to adore us and love us and build us up and esteem us. What a way to start this blessing, guys. Are you hearing this? God clarifies his posture towards us that when he sees us, he sees us with a heart to adore us, not to use us, not with a checkbox hoping we're living up to his holy expectations, but the scriptures, the word of God, tell us he adores us. You know, so often I think it's easy to feel too small to notice. Like if God were real and he were to look into this world, how could he possibly notice me and my small little life? But Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 says that when Jesus came and when he suffered and died for us, it wasn't to get something and it wasn't just this kind of passive washing for all people, right? It was something intentional and personal to each person. The reason he did it, it says in verses 2-7 is in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Or in simple words, he saved us so that he can, bless us. He can keep blessing us. Let that sink in. That's the attitude, the posture in the heart of our God. I wonder whether you would choose to let your heart believe it today. So the Lord loves us. He adores us. He wants to bless us. But how? It starts with a promise to keep us. What does this mean? Well, it's a real simple word, actually. The word keep means to treasure or to protect. Think of that thing you value most in the world. Uh, I'm thinking like physical thing, not um, a person. But think of that thing you value most in the world. Perhaps it's a keepsake, a photo, I don't know, a cute little love note, um, a technological thing if you're someone as nerdy as me. right? Think about that thing and your attitude towards it. How you want to keep it safe. You want to protect it. And it's a treasured thing that you enjoy having, that you enjoy possessing. This is what God is promising his attitude to us is like, treating us like a treasured possession, treating us like we were most, his most cherished belonging. This is what the word in scripture literally means. Jesus in the gospel says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are, you, are not you much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And Paul goes on and says, but the Lord is faithful. In 2 Thessalonians 3.3, he is faithful, he will strengthen you, and he will protect you from the evil one. Life can feel so, so uncertain sometimes, but here is the promise and the confidence we have in our God. He is able to protect us, and he treasures us enough to protect us. The blessing continues and says, the Lord make his face shine upon you. We can do something weird. I want everyone to close their eyes. Everyone just close your eyes around this place. And this is what we're, going to, we're going to imagine something. I want you to imagine the days before creation. So the mountains and the trees no longer exist. The lakes and the oceans have vanished. This is before the earth or the stars or the moon, before time or space. I want you to imagine with me that utter darkness that existed. Feel it for a second. And now imagine hearing in the midst of that darkness the phrase, let there be 
light. And a great light burst forth into the cosmos. That darkness swatted back. The blessing of vision brought forth. Did you imagine this? I want you to turn those eyes of your imagination onto that darkness in your soul, that addiction, that pain, that problem, that sinfulness, that curse, that, that, that mental health issue, whatever it is, that jealousy, that envy, all of it, whatever it is, see that darkness. And hear the proclamation of let there be light into your soul. Because hear what God is saying. Hear what God is saying. Is that his face of light is fixing its attention on you. Shining your way. Piercing the darkness of your soul. Not merely swatting back darkness. But replacing it with his favor and his blessings. You may open your eyes. In fact, opening up his gospel in the New Testament, John says of Jesus that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's Jesus. And he was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him, nothing that was made has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And some, some translations say the darkness couldn't even comprehend it. That's our God. He goes on to say, Jesus goes on to say this, um, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friends, our God is a God of light, and he promises to bring that light forward into our lives to push back the darkness and replace it with his favor and his provision. The blessing continues. And be gracious towards you. You know, this idea of God's graciousness coming towards us, it it, it spans around the idea of something unearned, something unmerited, something we didn't achieve. It's about, if we did achieve it, it would just be ours by earning, but because it's by grace, the very nature of it indicates we didn't earn it. And and when we hear that, we can't help but turn our attention to to, uh, the New Testament in in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4, where God says, but because of the great love that he has for us, God, being rich in mercy, makes us alive together with Christ, right? This is the kind of graciousness God is known for in Scripture. In fact, when he introduces himself at the beginning of the Bible in Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 to 7, he says this, he is a God of compassion, and graciousness. He says that he doesn't get angry quickly, but he's filled with love and faithfulness. He describes how he forgives every type of sin, uh, no matter the motive, but also describes his bent towards justice and righteousness. And this grace of God, it culminates in Jesus as he pours out favor and love for each of us by forgiving our failures, right? And breaking anything that separates us from God, welcoming us home into the arms of a loving father as his children. Friends, this grace is not a distant blessing for us. It's central to the very DNA of our Christian heritage. Friends, to be a Christian is to put our confidence in the grace of God revealed in Jesus. To be a Christian is to look to that cross and see the goodness of God, his grace embedded in it, and say, I don't deserve it, I couldn't earn it, but I know it's enough. I'm going to trust it. This blessing is central And has always been one central way that God expresses his character and blesses the world. The fifth movement says, the Lord turns his face towards you. If you are 
Have you ever been in a moment where you've been in a conversation with someone and you can just see they're checked out? You can just see they don't care? You know, like they're on their phone scrolling and you're talking and they're giving you the routine, polite nods and mms, and you just know in your soul they haven't heard a word you've said for the last 10 minutes. And it's, it's infuriating, right? It's like irritating. You're like, I'd rather you just say you don't want to listen to me than you sit there and you pretend to listen to me. Anyway, just a pet peeve. But here's the thing. When someone does the opposite and they turn their attention towards you and they really listen, They care about what you're saying. They engage. What a blessing that is to our souls to feel as though someone cares enough to hear us. This is the blessing we find in here. The first one of God's face was about his light breaking forward into our darkness. But this isn't about light. This is about his attention fixed on us. He moves his attention, his presence, his focus our way. Because sometimes we all feel distant from God. Sometimes we all feel like there's a pretty significant gap between us and Him. And as we go through life, we don't know how to bridge the divide between where we are and our prayers seemingly not going past the ceiling. Right? We've all been there. There was a, there was a, a monk in history who, who was a remarkable follower of Jesus, and he wrote this book called The Dark Night of the Soul, addressing the fact that though he had spent his life following God to the best of his ability, he still couldn't avoid seasons in his life where he felt like God was nowhere to be found. And he writes this book as an encouragement that we shouldn't be fooled by this side of eternity, because our God has made a promise to be present and to be close with us every day. And this side of sin, we might sometimes feel like that that promise isn't true, but there is a day coming, there is a day coming where there will be no division between us and God. And and, and in that day, as we experience the presence of God, there will never feel like gaps or distance or divides between us exist. His presence, His attention will be fixed on us for full. And so today, in the waiting, in the season, we trust the promise. We go through life and go, I, I don't know why I feel this way, but I know the promise of God. He's not gone anywhere. He's not distant. He's here in this season. He promises it through his scripture. And the final movement says, and give you peace. This is actually one of the most significant images in the Bible. It points to the Sabbath. It points even more importantly back to Eden. And it points, I would say even more importantly, to the promise to come, to heaven, to paradise, to a new new heaven and a new earth. And in the Hebrew word for peace, it's not just a lack of conflict. It's just that we're not fighting anymore, or there's a bit of silence in the room, right? This peace is about total restoration, a completeness to all things. Friends, every day we're facing wrestles. Every day we face heart pain. Every day we face the pain of broken relationships. That sense that something within us just isn't right. There's a conflict in our own souls. And the blessing we find here is that God makes a promise to us that there is a healing and and a completeness in him for all of the unpeace, the conflicts and the chaos inside of us. I don't know if you've noticed it, but every single letter in the New Testament opens up with a promise that says that because of Jesus, grace and peace is advancing your way. Friends, we have to bank on the promises of the Scriptures. We have to build our lives on the promises of the Bible. And that is a promise of peace in part today, but in full in a day to come. This is the blessing we get to enjoy. These are the promises we get to build our lives on. Friends, do you know in this room that you are the object of God's affection? 
Do you know that he is the source of your complete blessing, your provision, your protection, your breakthrough, your peace, and your presence? This isn't an invitation for you to say, I'll take a little bit of God and then I'll go chase everything else in the life to fill the gaps. God is promising that he has us. He invites us to trust him with our lives because he can be trusted and he's the only one who can actually fill the gaps. But I wonder, do we know today that this blessing, it's not only real for us, but it's real and available for our neighbors? Do you know that it's real and available for our colleagues at work, for our children, for our parents, for our siblings, for our baristas, for the people we go and buy things from every day? God wants to make known his character, his affections, his love, his blessings, his goodness to the whole world. And today, like Aaron and Moses, we're called to be vessels of blessing in this world by pointing people everywhere to God's hand of blessing. And so I wonder today if you have tasted the kindness of God in a moment when we do anointing after worshiping and as a part of our communion, I wonder whether you would come and respond by committing 2024 to trusting Him more. Would you not only come as a reminder that you are anointed by the blood of Jesus, that you have been set apart, that you are a new creation, that's done, but would you also come and choose to live as a new creation, to live set apart? Would you commit this year the way you will raise your children? Or commit this year the way you will live your lives? Would you commit this year the way you speak, act, or what you watch or teach people? Would you commit this year to Jesus? Come lay it all down and choose to make your life a response to his goodness. Would we live in response to his wonder by living a life that points to it? Would 2024 be a year we set our lives apart and follow him? My invitation is this, come. Be anointed today as God's people, set apart by his love and his sacrifice. Come, be anointed today as God's people, set apart by the trust and experience we have in his lavishly given blessings on us. And come, be anointed today as God's people that are set apart in their declaration and lives lived, pointing to the goodness of God. Because here's who we are, a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Would 2024 be the year where we declare the praises of our God in our words, in our actions, and in the way we do life with him? The very next verse in 2 Peter 2.10, it says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Friends, have you received mercy today? Have you fixed your eyes on Jesus this morning? That bringer of mercy, the wonder-working God, the one who moved in his love and died to save us all. Have you heard his good news today? That you are invited to have a new identity, to be part of a new community, by means of his rich, rich mercy, would you come and know the deep, rich, and unending blessings of our God? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that who you are is who you are, that you are not the God of blessing to a people back then and a God of curses to us today, but rather, God, in Jesus, you lavish your blessing on us. You lavish your kindness towards us. That in this moment and in this day and in this age, we can be confident that we will see the goodness of you, Lord, in the land of the living. 
that God, you are a wonder-working God who has saved us from the darkness of sin, but not only stopped there, invited us in adoption to be your children and to live your way and to know the wonder of your kindness through trust and faithfulness. Not only stopping there, but you've invited us to be a part of the way you bless the entire world by imaging your wonder-working goodness wherever we go, God. You're a God of eternal mercies, and we are blessed perfectly by you. You know, maybe in this room, you've never responded to the gospel before. Perhaps in this room today, you hear of the mercy of Jesus and you've just never had the opportunity to make a decision to say, I want to start a conversation. I want to start a relationship with that Jesus. And so all eyes are closed, all heads being bowed right now. I want to invite you to have the opportunity to respond, to make a decision today that you would like to start a walk with the kind of God that God is in Jesus. And so if that's you, if you want to make that decision for the first time, or perhaps come back after a time away. I'd love it if you raise your hand in the air so that I could see. Come on. So good, Lord. I just praise you for your love. I praise you that you're at work in this room that you are reminding us of the blessings you bring and calling us to live, not only to have the anointed life Jesus gave us, but to live in the anointed life that Jesus calls us to, to, to express to a world how wonderfully good you truly are, Lord. Fill our souls, Jesus. We praise you in your perfect name. Amen. Friends, we're going to respond in the one and only way we know how, and that's in worship. Not only by worshiping in a song, but actually with lives of worship. But as we worship in a song right now, we're going to sing the word Hosanna. And Hosanna is a word that declares praising to a Savior. So every time we sing it, what we're saying is praises to you, our one and our only Savior. Would you stand and worship with me? Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. 